You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Talking About Podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Olinger, joined by Sean Kennedy, and once again, joined by Jackson Frank. How are you guys? Doing pretty well. How are you, Daniel? Uh, You know, I mean, so I have a lot of schoolwork, and then, of course, my schoolwork coincides with the NBA, like, losing its mind for a week as we approach the draft and transit transaction windows opening up again and free agency just everything's coming right at us right now <laughs> yeah it, it seems yeah we got what like a, a month a month off now we're back in the swing of things again yeah it's all it's all coming back it's like we had they took like three months off at the start of the pandemic and now it just it's one of those things where when you take time off it catches up later if you like man i really wish i could have those months back now and you realize why <laughs> you wanted them but no we had originally planned to have this mock draft podcast about two weeks ago, but that was the day before we had planned it. The Daryl Morey news broke, which has led to two weeks of reactions from all of us here at Liberty Ball. such big news. And, but now with the draft approaching this next, what is it? Um, Is it Tuesday night? Wednesday night. I believe it's six days from today, the 18th. Yes. Wednesday night. And Wednesday night when we are planning to have a Liberty Ballers live draft show streamed through our Twitter account. So Look forward to all of that. But for now, we are going to do a mock draft with me and Jackson are going to be alternating picks. I will take all the odd numbered picks. Jackson has all the even ones. We are going one through 36 to make sure we include those two Sixers second round picks early in the second round at 34 and 36. And Sean, our friend, is going to be moderating. Yeah, I think we're making history as the first ever live mock of the first 36 picks in a draft. <laughs> we just got to keep it as specific as possible like we could do this like like next year leading up to the draft we should just do it with like random numbers each week like we can do them like the top 43 picks who are they there you go you know people they get a little stuck in their ways oh anybody can do top 30 anyone can do top 60 36 that takes a certain degree of innovation creativity that's what we bring here at the talking about podcast you can also just do like random lists of like NBA players numbers. Like who are the top 19 pick and roll defenders at the guard position in the NBA? Yeah. That, everyone does top 10 lists. Make, make people wonder why did they go at 19? It's, you know, it's just throw, throw people curveballs once in a while, get them out of their, their stuck ways. That's, that's what we got to do a little bit more often. Well, do you, is, is there anything else we need to talk about? Or do you guys just want to hop into the mock draft? I'm good to go whenever I'm ready to make, make some picks all right let me uh let me step up to the podium here all right now on the clock daniel olinger selecting for the minnesota timberwolves at the first overall pick daniel you're on the clock so 
there's a lot of conflicting reports about this guy. A lot of people saying he's the number one overall and there's no question about him. Others saying he's sliding down mock drafts. He's number one on my board. And Jackson, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure he's number one on your board too. With the number one pick for the Minnesota Timberwolves, I'm taking LaMelo Ball, who I just think he's the best prospect in the class, even if the fit isn't perfect with Minnesota for a variety of reasons. I just, there's no other great fit out there or great player good enough to make me think that I just shouldn't take the guy who I think is the best here. And then LaMelo, I wrote a big piece for the step back last week about how LaMelo's defense, like the problems with it kind of get overrated and how just him being tall, this kind of small, this smart six, seven guard allows him to make up for a lot of those defensive shortcomings. People think about him that I really think can be fixed in terms of passing the ball. He is just a special passer in the open court and half court. He's going to be able to run pick and rolls right away very well. And if you think there's a problem between him and D'Angelo, I would kind of prefer betting on LaMelo instead of D'Angelo. And again, not a perfect fit. I would, if we were doing trades, I would be totally in favor of Minnesota maybe trading down for someone else and getting more assets back. But I, I just think it's hard to pass up the guy who I'm pretty sure is the best player in this class. Another thing is people have a lot of concerns about his shot. I remember I tweeted this a long time ago that I think it was he went two from for 32 from like the left wing on the court from three. And if you took all those left wing threes out, he shot 36% from the other areas combined. So I, And I kind of like... I like how much arc he gets on his shot. I think it has a lot more to do with just shot selection than actual problems with his shots. Like Jackson, do you think you would take LaMelo if you had the number one pick? Yeah, I, I would too. He's, he's my number one guy in this class. Um, he's in a tier with a few others, but he's, he's kind of clearly the best player to me. Um, even if I think other guys are, you know, at least within his, his realm and to some degree. Um, but I agree. I think also his, his balance has improved a lot on his jumper um, over the last year, dating back from, when he was at Spire for a year, um, and then he still has trouble with falling off balance or swaying backwards or fading away, um, but it's a lot better than it was um, his final year of high school. So yeah, I think that's that's the right pick too. And especially you mentioned not doing trades, it I think it makes it a little little easier um, with that decision if you can't can't trade the pick or move down or anything like that. Mm -hmm. All right, so that is an interesting first overall pick. We have uh, Lamelo Ball going to Minnesota, which. Yeah, you can never have too many ball handlers, and Russell has played alongside other point guards in the past, so they can certainly coexist well together, potentially. Uh, it is interesting. You have the dynamic of Towns and Russell being good friends, and getting Russell in the first place was kind of to keep Towns happy in, in to some extent, so I don't think you would want to do anything to alienate that friendship and um, potentially your best overall player in cat but uh yeah you got the first pick you gotta go for whatever you think is the top talent for sure so ball to minnesota with the first pick and now with number two we have jackson selecting for the golden state warriors who uh interesting uh position for golden state this year at number two after being one of the top teams in the league the last half decade yeah, um, I think if, if trades were allowed, I, it seems like in recent weeks and days, there's been more more smoke and reports that are, you know, maybe confirming that the Warriors are really looking to push this this pick on someone else to acquire a win now, guys. So um, I think probably this, I would have, if I was leaning one way or the other, this pick probably wouldn't be made by the Warriors, but we're not doing trades. So I'm going to take Anthony Edwards. Um, I, I really like his fit as an off-ball guy there, playing alongside Stephen Clay and Draymond. 
um, really good cutter. I think he'd be really good attacking off the catch um, when the ball's swung, swung around. Um, I trust him as a shooter and I think I need a decent on the move passer as well, even if he gets tunnel vision at times. But um, I think he makes the most sense in this spot. Um, and I think, you know, handing him a smaller workload early on will be good for him, kind of giving him a, a clearly defined role so he doesn't go over, overwhelming. I think that can be an issue of his. But um, I think this is this fit makes the most sense if they're not going to trade this pick. Yeah, so I've been one of the I've been on the downside of Ant in general. It's probably just a personal preference thing. Whereas I I really have a hard time buying the guys who both I have questions about his effort and just how well he reads the court, especially on defense. Some of the times it's just like I'm not sure if he knows exactly what he's seeing out there. Though I I was watching him more last night and I actually went back and read PD Webb's big piece on him. And if you're not reading the draft coverage that PD Webb at above the break three does on Twitter. Like he's one of the best guys when it comes to covering the draft, always recommend reading his stuff. And I kind of started to get it more. I, it's just, it's hard to put him outside any part of the top five, just because the upside is someone that athletic who can legitimately create his shot and the offensive upside. I, I do get it. I don't think I would have picked him here at two, but I'm not going to say like you're, stupid for picking that again I think one of the best things you can do is trade down especially if a team is misguided enough to offer you like a pick in next year's class especially if you think that other team is going to be like in the top 10 I would take it because next year's draft class is just loaded yeah I think that's all fair I'm I'm not a huge ant guy um you know relative to having a number one or you know anything like that but um I really do think it's tough to um, to do anything you know ideal in the situation without trades for the Warriors, um, so that's that's where I want to go. I, I think you know I could, I could consider Killian Hayes here. I could consider Onyeka Kongwu, but I want Hayes to have the freedom to run offense and and learn through his mistakes and grow. Whereas I think Ant is better suited in a smaller role, like I mentioned earlier. Um, as much as I like Onyeka, um, I think the there is an easier avenue to acquiring a a low usage center on the trade market or on the uh, or in free agency than there is you know finding like a secondary or tertiary wing who can create his own shot like ant could um mm-hmm. for a couple of years before steph dream on clay really age out of their their stardom um years or superstardom years in steph's in steph's uh realm mm-hmm. or steph's case you know that's a better word so i definitely hear what you're saying at Ant's Val as well um i think it's not no pick really is ideal for the warriors here if they decide to keep it um, but I think Ant makes the most sense in terms of, you know, how they can improve their roster in other ways through avenues outside of the draft. Mm. All right. So Edwards to Golden State with the second overall pick. That could definitely be a great spot for him to to grow and develop without too much pressure on him. He obviously wouldn't be starting right away. The backcourt is pretty set with Steph and Clay, and he could uh, learn from those guys and uh, play a smaller role and pick up all the veteran moves that they could uh, teach him along the way. So Edwards at number two, we now have Charlotte on the clock at number three, Charlotte team uh, been in the, the news a little bit. They, there's yeah. some, they, they could be interested in trading for Russell Westbrook, which would be certainly be interesting, but having the third overall pick, Daniel, you're on the clock. What, what are you going to have Charlotte do? Yeah, interested in Russell Westbrook. Also, the he- same headline could be interested in being the seventh seed again. But, I mean... <laughs> they want it. They want relevancy. Yes, they do. But um, I agree with a lot of what Jackson said there, especially about, like... I mean, I love Onyeke, too, but 
I have slid, I think I might drop them a tiny bit lower, like when I put out my final board, just because the idea that it is easier to find like a replacement level big than like a shot creating wing. And because of that, I think I'm going to take Killian Hayes here at three for the Hornets, a uh, guard from France. I, I can't, I can never say the na name of the team he played for, right? I, the la It was called Ulm. I was like, I think, but the first part, the first part of the name that comes before that I always mess up on a uh, shot creating six, five guard, pretty long arms. He, a lot of people like get excited about him because of all the step back moves he has, how you kind of see how he could fit into the modern NBA as that shot creator, his passing like out of the pick and roll, just really good. He needs to work on a lot of stuff still. He's not the most athletic or bursty guy. His, he, he basically does everything he can to not drive with his right hand. He's very just left hand dominant. Um, going to be a good defender though. Works really hard on that end. I don't love some of his off ball stuff and I don't think he's going to be some elite lockdown defender, but a guy you can trust on the ends on that end, certainly a better defender in my opinion than both Ant and Lamelo. And I should note here that this is also a mock draft where this is not like what me and Jackson necessarily think will happen. This is kind of like what we would do saying we're the GMs for all these teams are picking for. Cause like all the reports coming out of Charlotte are they're either trying to get James Wiseman by trading up or just hoping he's there at three. And if he's not there at three, it sounds like they kind of want on Yeke Okongu. The Hornets really want a big man, one of those two big men. I mean, you guys can, if you guys have heard something different, you can tell me, but that's what I think would generally happen. But yeah, I'm going to pick Killian Hayes here at three because you don't get too many chances to draft a guy who could potentially be the guy, the shot creator for your team, and Killian Hayes could be that. Yeah, I am I really like Killian Hayes here especially. Um, I, I don't, I, like you said, I don't think he, he would go this high by any means in, in a real draft next week, but that's totally fine. Um, I, I'm pretty big on him. I, I can't quite get all the way in him as my number one guy, mm -hmm. um, just because I don't think he has quite the creativity as a scorer and, and ball handler as I'd like for my lead guard, especially compared to someone like Lamelo. Um, but he's still firmly a top five guy and you know, top three guy, top four mm -hmm. on my board. Um, I think it's a really good fit. I like his defense. Um, as you mentioned, he took us some big strides forward athletically and defensively over the last year when he made the move from Cholet, um, or Cholet, probably mispronouncing that, to, to yeah. Ulm, um, which is really impressive. So, yeah, I think this is a really good fit. And as you mentioned, we can get a lead guard, a potential lead guard. I think it's the right move. Mm -hmm. um, so All right. So this is definitely the best fit. A big surprise. We have Charlotte not taking someone from the ACC. <laughs> I know I, Michael, Michael Jordan loves that. <laughs> I, I remember, I think, I can't remember where I wrote it. I wrote it on some point, like, joking how if the Hornets had won the lottery a year or two ago that they would have taken Luke May at number one because if there's anything that love it's <laughs> I don't know maybe I'm the only one who got that joke but I kind of always like that idea yeah I mean what was it years ago they didn't well, want to trade for uh they, the Celtics offered four picks to yeah. basically trade up because they wanted Justice Winslow the Hornets turned them down and then drafted Frank Kaminsky Exactly. Yeah. So not a great draft track record there in Charlotte. Um, PJ Washington's good. Yeah. Uh, they, they definitely, uh, yeah, he had a great rookie year and hopefully that will turn the tide and start a new streak of good draft picks there in Charlotte. Um, here in our mock, we have Killian Hayes going number three. Uh, next up, Jackson is picking for the Chicago Bulls at fourth overall. Jackson, you're on the clock. Yeah, um, 
I am going to go with Alexei Pokashevsky. I knew you would uh, do this. A... I knew this was coming. <laughs> I, I, I printed out your big board before because I was anticipating what was going to happen. Oh, geez. apparently when I said his name, that triggered the Alexa in our room. Um, oh, because, <laughs> okay, I see. Yes, like, anyway, I'm going to refer to him as Poku now, so I don't say his first name. Yeah. To yeah. Trigger the Blake other the device. Yeah, um, anyway. I'm pretty sure most of our <laughs> listeners are not aware of who he is or what he, or the fit, kind of all the intrigue around him. Yeah, so he's like a seven seven footer from, from Serbia. He's really young, youngest player in the class. Doesn't turn 19 until I think December 26th of this year. Um, like the second youngest guy in this class, I think, is Lamelo, whose birthday was back in August. Um, really, really high level versatile shooter. Flashes pull ups, off screens, spot ups. Um, really impressive passer too with his creativity. Really daring in that regard too. Can get him in some trouble, but um, I think a young age, especially like seeing someone take risks as a passer, um, can do some really impressive stuff in transition. Um, in pick and rolls, he has the height to see over the top and make reads out of the post too. I don't think you're going to want him operating from the post to score very much. So I think that part of his passing will be a little, uh, a lot less prevalent than you saw on this past year when he's playing with Olympiakos B team in, in the Greek A2 division. Um, pretty smart uh, off ball and interior defender as well. Really good playmaker in that regard. Um, really fluid for a big man, but really weak, really skinny. Um, can be pretty hectic and chaotic to chasing highlight plays, missing easy rotations. But um, I think at his peak, the Bulls could be looking at a guy who's able to run some pick and rolls, um, shoot off movement, hit pull-ups, be a really, really good defensive playmaker. A lot of different and valuable skills that I think is worth the, worth the plunge at fourth overall for a Bulls team that really needs that that guy, you know, their, their main guy to, mm-hmm. to pop and really find some footing back in the playoff race in the next few years. Mm-hmm. So Jackson, obviously they're, they, yeah, as you just mentioned, they need a top level elite blue chip talent there. But one of the few pieces I do like potentially for Chicago is Wendell Carter. Um, t- how do you think those two would potentially fit together? Yeah, I think, I think to an extent you can never have too much playmaking. I think that's something that Wendell was really good at as a prospect. You haven't seen this much, but I'd really like to fit there. You can work, work them together. Um, you know, I think Poku's best off offense will come on the exterior where he's, you know, hitting spot of threes, he's attacking off the catch and making plays in advantage situations, whereas I think Wendell is a little different in that you want him kind of being the hub offensively, you know, not not like Bam exactly, but someone who's gonna be, you know, facilitating DHOs, he's running some post ups, some face up stuff. I'm really trying to get into the into the paint and score inside. Um and he can obviously do the occasional pick and pop or whatnot, but um, I think the fit is really good there. Um, I really like Wendell's defense still. Um, really technically sound defensive player. I'm um, really good in drop coverage. So I think the fit makes a lot of sense there. And I, I'd really like to see how it would shake out. It would be interesting to see what they do with Larry Markin, obviously because both Poku and Markin are, are fours, kind of these you know, perimeter-oriented fours. So I, I think they would probably move on from Lowry if they, if they went with Poku here um, or if they traded down or something to take Poku at 11 or 12 where he's more kind of that's kind of the upper echelon of his projected range. But um, I think for, for Wendell and, and Poku, it's a pretty pretty sound and fun fit if Poku pans out to be the player that you know I think he can be. Mm-hmm. All right, so Poku to Chicago with the fourth pick. Next up, we have Cleveland at number five. Daniel, you're up. Cleveland's in an interesting spot because they have embraced somehow the strategy of 
not having wings or like functional wings in the NBA when that's probably the most important thing you can have. They have two guards who are not great passers and not good defenders. They have a lot of bigs, probably too many. So, I mean, honestly, again, I would be in favor of the Cavs trading down to probably target one of the wings that we don't have, like an Okoro, Vassell, Pat Williams, all those kinds of guys, and go down more to their projected draft range. But we're not doing that here. I'm just going to take who I think is the best player available. And also, for a team that has finished dead last in defense the last few years, he'll help their defense right away. The fit won't be great great right away as long, but if maybe the Cavs play him, it'll be fine. I'm going to take on Yeke Akongwu from USC. Best rim-protecting big in the class, in my opinion. Just such great, really great mobility for a guy his size. I just think he, I just think he's going to come in and make your team better. There's not a super high ceiling with him. I doubt he ever becomes anything on the ball offensively that can help, but he'll, he can finish lobs. He has some decent post, post uh, game. He can kind of hit hook shots by their hand. He has, he works really hard on the inside. Seems like a great guy who all his teammates really liked. Uh, I mean, Jackson, do you think Onyeke to the Cavs makes sense? Or Onyeke? I yeah, for sure. I, I'm a really big Onyeke guy. Um, I do think he has some some self-creation upside. I think the flashes he showed in face-ups this year were really impressive um, because he has a really quick first step for a big man. He's so springy off the ground and so quick off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I, I think there is a potential for him to – be a self-creator to some degree as a big man. And I thought his passing improved pretty noticeably from the start of the year to the end of the year. So mm-hmm. I think the pick makes total sense. He's a guy who's been in my first tier at fifth overall. He's fifth overall now. He's my first tier for almost a year. I mean, this draft cycle has been almost everlasting, it seems like, but he's been there for a while. Um, I really like him. Obviously, you know, Drummond only has a year left. So I think it, the fit makes a lot of sense. You don't draft for one year or, any, or anything like that. So um, I think if you consider him the best player available and, you know, he fills a need long-term, then by all means, I think it's a, it's a good pick. And I would agree with pretty much everything you said. We'll just be higher on some of the self-creation upside um, long-term. But, but I do think the fit makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does feel like we've been doing some draft coverage at Liberty Ballers all the way back since March. Yeah, <laughs> it's a uh, yeah a lot of a lot of run up to to next week's 2020 NBA draft. So I'm sure the guys that are going to be selected have uh, really been waiting for this not only their whole lives but for this extended half year period where everything was kind of up in the air. They're really going to be happy that this can finally come to a crescendo here. Um, yeah, and I agree. You don't you don't do anything. Uh, in terms of team building with Andre Drummond, uh, whether or not you have him on the roster, that, that should not factor into your decision. So a Kongwu to Cleveland with the number five pick. Next up, we have the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, they are a team, there's been a lot of rumors about them trading out of this spot. I know one thing that got mentioned was uh, Drew Holiday with all the teams that are looking to pry him away from New Orleans as, as they shop the veteran guard there. And uh, Atlanta giving back the number six pick as part of a package is, is one thing that's popped up in the rumor mill, but uh, we're not doing that here. So Jackson is on the clock selecting for Atlanta with the number six pick. Awesome. So I, I, I think, you know, over the past eight months now, because Atlanta season has been, it has been over for, 
so long. Um, but I think, you know, where I'm going to go, I'm going to take Tyrese Maxey here. Um, mm -hmm. They've been, you know, I think the, the simple or the logical solution would be Okoro, Isaac Okoro or Devin Vassell. Um, but, you know, I've, I've done quite a few different mocks over the last you know, X amount of months. It seems like that's how, how it always shakes out. So I'm going to give them Maxi in this case, give them kind of a secondary handler next to um, Trey Young. I know Nurgers there, but it hasn't, you know, there have been some reports of friction, you know, maybe underlying between those two, um, between Trey and Herder. I think Herder maybe wants a little more on-ball creation role. I think, you know, not necessarily saying they have to trade him or anything, but you can never have too many, too many secondary handlers, I don't think. And so I like the idea of Maxi being the, the guy who accepts the workload defensively too. He's really good on the ball, really good laterally, really strong, can kind of play up a little bit, guard up a little bit. And then there's awesome attacking off the catch. I think he's a much better shooter than his three-point percentage suggests this year at Kentucky. Um, consistently had really good numbers and versatility at lower levels, um, both as a pull-up guy and off movement and spot-ups. So I really like him there as kind of a secondary creator who's working off the advantages that Trey Young can create and then is also able to tackle the biggest or most daunting guard guard assignments defensively next to Trey, who obviously is a, a very poor defender um, or has been to this point. And, you know, even if he kind of improves some things about that, I don't think he's ever going to be someone that you can you know, really trust to do any anything significant defensively. Mm -hmm. No, I – I mean, I think that's, I might not be that high on Maxi, but I've definitely heard it. And you guys have good reason. Like I've heard a lot about how Maxi shot well at lower levels. And when you see it, like when you see the good stuff at Kentucky, it is really nice. What he does. I, one thing I like about him is how well he splits like high hedges off the pick and roll can really get downhill off some of that. He's going to play defense well right away. At, and that, that makes sense for Atlanta. Um, I think I'm up here at number seven with Detroit. That's right. So Tyrese Maxey at six to Atlanta, building upon their uh, good young core they have there. And hope, hopefully they can show it a little bit more in the standings next year. But yeah, Daniel, you're up number seven, Detroit Pistons. Mm -hmm. And this is where it gets really hard because I, I, I'm trying to think of guys who the Pistons could take. So here, ideally, you probably want, if you're the Pistons, some higher upside swing considering they're building from scratch basically trying to restart their franchise i'm looking at a few names here and i know some people are probably thinking like who maybe are who who like follow a lot of the mainstream draft coverage thinking oh wiseman's still available halliburton's still available not i don't i'm guessing i think me and jackson are a lot lower on wiseman and halliburton than most of mainstream draft coverage would be for a variety of reasons um I think I am going to go here with – oh, geez, this is hard. I, I'm taking a long time. But uh, I think I am going to go with Isaac Okoro of Auburn, who he has – there are some, quite a lot of questions about his shot. There – I mean, it just – he didn't shoot very well this past year. I think on non-at-the-rim twos, he shot four for 25 which was just really bad. But defensively, he is going to be just a really good guard, wing defender, great frame, really like high-end speed moving laterally. I, and then on offense, with his, his combination of handles, burst, strength, he can get to the rim really well. He's pretty decisive. I think like when I was trying to think of like comparisons or guys he reminds me of, I feel like he has like at the very least a baseline of, and this would be like if just 
he really doesn't pan out, but this is what he could be at least is like someone like Royce O'Neal for the jazz where he occasionally takes threes, really good defender. And then they both do the same thing where when the ball gets swung to them, they're not even looking to shoot, but they just like catch it, drop, rip and drive to try and finish at the rim. But I kind of like Okoro's upside just in terms of if he can figure some stuff out offensively, which again, is not a given. He sees the floor well enough. He understands what he's doing out there well enough to combine with his just defensive ability that I think he could be a really high upside play in the long run. Yeah. I, you know, when you, you got to this pick in your deliberating night, for me, it would have been between uh, Okoro and then Devin Vassell. I think both guys mm-hmm. have some pretty interesting offensive, you know, creation upside. And I, I think, um, you know, a team like the Pistons with a pretty blank slate roster, um, no one they're really tied to long-term and so, no one that really has shown they're deserving to run the offense. I think it makes sense to, you know, kind of see what you can do with a slashing, do a see what you could have with the cells pull-up shooting and intermittent flashes of, of pick and roll playmaking. So I really like this pick. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, somewhere where Coro has the freedom to do what he does best offensively, which is attack the rim, you know, create for others with this really impressive playmaking for a wing. Um, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. So I think by all means, this pick is, is really prudent and you could really see, you know, kind of the, it pay dividends if, mm. if Okoro is able to actualize some of the offensive potential he's, he's shown throughout the last couple of years. Also, it could be like a little bit of a one of those kinds of moves where I like Okoro long term. I'm not sure how much he helps you right away. And maybe maybe I don't want to be good right away because I want to improve my chances for having getting a chance at Cade Cunningham next year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if, you, if you're able to find the guy in this class that, you know, will pan out long-term, but make you worse next year, but then that increases your odds yeah. for one of the best prospects in, in recent, you know, years, uh, I think that makes sense. So yeah, I think that's a good point too. I think maybe Okoro can give you a little more, especially on defense right away. Yeah. Um, yeah but I do think the point makes, makes sense for sure. That sound a little hinky-esque. Is there anybody that uh, is going to be out for the year with a leg or back injury that would have been a top prospect otherwise. <laughs> um, all right, so Okoro to Detroit uh, with number seven. Now, next up, we have another team that doesn't have too many rock-solid long-term roster fixtures, the New York Knicks. And Jackson, you're on the clock selecting for the Knicks. Yeah, I'm going to go with Kyra Lewis here, uh, the speedy point guard from Alabama. Uh, um, I think one of the things the Knicks need is someone to – you know, somebody who can capably shoot the ball from the outside and run some offense for you. And I really like uh, Kyra's shooting upside. He was really good, pretty impressively good on pull-ups or off the dribble in two years in college. Um, he actually wasn't even el- – he's so young that he wasn't even eligible for the draft after his freshman year. He turned 19 as a sophomore this past April. Um, so some of the pull-up numbers he flashed in two seasons at a young age, I think he was like – 70th percentile, according to synergies of freshman, maybe like 75th this past year. I don't have the numbers on me right away, but um, they're definitely good either way. And he shot like 36% from three each year, a lot of it off the dribble, as I mentioned. So I like that. I really like his burst getting downhill. He's got some ambidexterity as a passer, um, really good transitioning from dribble to pass um, with kickouts and skips and interior stuff. Has some questionable decision-making warts um, and accuracy issues as a passer, but um, the baseline skill at a young age is really impressive to me. And then defensively, um, really pestering on the ball, even though he's really weak, um, really slight of frame. That also hampers him as a finisher um, inside on offense because he doesn't really have much vertical explosion or strength. And so he's he gets kind of turned back a lot there. But 
Um, I really like the um, just the, the potential of someone who can space the floor for RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson, and also can run some offense through because of his playmaking and driving ability and shooting. Mm. Yeah, the Knicks have been searching for that point guard for what feels about two decades now. Um, they've, they've tried the free agent route, they've tried the homegrown route, and no, nothing seems to have stuck. Um, maybe Kyra Lewis will be the answer. So Lewis to New York at number eight. Next up, we have the Washington Wizards at ninth overall. And Daniel, you're on the clock for them. So this one was interesting. I've really thought hard here about James Wiseman, who, and I don't know if I'm being swayed by the fact that all the reports out of the Wizards camp are that they too kind of want a big man to probably start and move Thomas Bryant to the bench. There's basically been a guarantee that Onyeke Okongu is not getting past nine because the Wizards will for sure take him if he's there. But it's just the same thing again, where bigs are replaceable for the most part. And there's a lot of questions about Wiseman's game, like how well he feels. He feels the game like he seems to call his own number on shots a lot, even though he is not the greatest shooter. I am going to instead go with Devin Vassell from Florida State, just a really good defensive wing who he shot really well. The the video that that came out about his shot with his shot form that looked really bad. I, I'm just gonna hope that's fine. That you know, I think Jackson, you even tweeted at one point that we'd be we should be like we should rely more on the two years of evidence of Vassell shooting than just the one video and not like dismiss him as a prospect because of it. You can correct me if I'm wrong about that, but. um, No, that's based. I just said it's something to monitor, but you know, all these people were talking about on Twitter, you know, like I got to drop him down Mm -hmm. and what. Uh, And some of it was obviously, you know, joking, but there was some stuff in earnest and it was like, just one shot. We've we've barely seen him for the past six months. Like just don't do anything rash. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think you should definitely still buy his shot overall. Yeah. So. I just think the Wizards, if the Wizards do want to see if they have anything left out of the Beal-John Wall duo, which I doubt they do, John Wall, I have a feeling, is pretty much shot at this point. But, you know, if you want to, I think Vassell can help you out right away. And he's just going to be a nice guy to have, a really good 3 and D wing prospect. Yeah, I'm I'm a big Vassell guy, I think. I wouldn't say I'm, a, I'm pretty, you know, lukewarm on him overall, but he's a guy that I have in my top 10. I like the defense. I trust him as a shooter. I think he's a really smart off-ball player on both ends, uh, especially offensively. I think it's a little underrated. He's really good at filling the lane in transition, good at relocating to make passing angles easier for his teammates. Um, and also he showed some pretty impressive pull-up um, game this past year at Florida State, um, which he didn't show at all as a freshman. So that's a pretty cool and notable stride in one season. I think it makes a ton of sense here because even if you're not high on the wall and Beal tandem, I think they're still going to give it another shot. And so – Someone who can do a lot of work off the ball without the, without you know demanding touches and still be really valuable is is a worthwhile investment worthwhile investment. So um, yeah, I think that's a good pick and makes a lot of sense for what the Wizards currently have still. Mm-hmm. You, you know the way that we can tell if a cell shot is actually broken is if he slides to twenty one and ends up in Philadelphia. <laughs> exactly. That's that. Then we'll know. Then one of there's there's fire where there was smoke. Otherwise, I think uh, I think you'll probably end up okay. Just, just stay away from Philadelphia where shots go to die. <laughs> All right, so Vassell to Washington at nine. Next up, we have the uh, possibly soon to have Chris Paul, Phoenix Suns. They're at 10, but, you know, they're, they are the only team to ever go undefeated in a bubble environment, so they have that going for them. 
And uh, they also have a, a nice young core and some good vibes heading into next season. So we'll see what ends up in the uh, trade market, but they also have this 10th overall pick. So Jackson, you're up with uh, Phoenix at 10. This is a tough one. I, I think there are a few different ways you could go. Um, I'm kind of deliberating between Cole Anthony and Patrick Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think ultimately I'm going to go with Cole Anthony. I have him a little bit higher on my board. I'm still pretty, pretty optimistic about him. I know he had a pretty rough season. Um, you know, just from a surface level view um, at North Carolina, but um, I think he's a lot better than that indicates. I really like his pull-up shooting ability. I think he got better as a decision maker as the year went on at UNC and he kind of adapted to this this role of, you know, trying to do a lot of different things offensively or a team that didn't really have a lot of help, or give him a lot of help. Um, I think he's an up and down defender, especially off the ball, but I think a lot of his mistakes can be coached better or coached, uh, coached away just in terms of, teaching him where to position himself off the ball in terms of a stunt recover situation or a closeout. Um, but I think I like a lot of the interior rotations he made as a defender um, and whatnot. So I, I like the pull-up shooting and playmaking um, he could provide alongside um, Devin Booker. And that could also be an unnecessary presence if they trade for CP3 in two days. But for the time being, I still think they need a long-term handler next to Devin Booker, even if Ricky Rubio has been really, was really good this year for them. I don't think by any means he's the guy you're pairing with Devin Booker in, in Booker's prime as he kind of enters that. So I think the pull-up shooting and playmaking combo was a really interesting and worthwhile um, bet for the Suns, and especially in an offense with Monty Williams where they do a really good job of getting guys on the moves and creating advantages without, you know, you needing to be your guy because Anthony doesn't have a great first step. I think that could really be of use as well. No, I'm a little higher on Cole too, but I think you're a tiny bit higher than I am. What do you say about just like, don't take too much away from his college season. I, I do like to point out when people were lower on Cole, just how bad some of his teammates were at UNC were. I think it was the one guy play tech. Like just, it just felt like there was, it felt like UNC just couldn't do anything really to help Cole out. And I know he didn't make the situation necessarily better all the time, but I, I, that's a big thing for me is looking for which one of these guys are in bad situations, but still producing something. Cause their situation should get better in the NBA. I mean, it's just some guys will play a lot better once you have better players around them. And that's, yeah. I think, could certainly be the case for Cole. I, and I do think it is interesting, like you said, this changes a lot. If they do have plans to trade for Chris Paul, then you're probably looking for a wing like a Patrick Williams. Yeah, I, I, so I think, you know, with Cole, especially in this environment, part of his issue at UNC was I think he was just overwhelmed to an extent. He had too much on his plate. And he already had some decision-making issues that were exacerbated. Like he would drive into traffic and force up tough shots too often and miss it, miss open kickouts and, and stuff like that. So I think you kind of similar to my vision with Anthony Edwards and uh, Golden State is you can kind of simplify some of his decision-making burden or lessen it. Um, you're going to see his, his strength shine more. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think this fit makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think, yeah, like you said, it's important to note that, you know, even if he brought on some of of the challenges that you're going to see a lot of it was imposed on him um, without, without his control. So I really like this fit. And, and I think it makes a lot of sense as the Suns are, are currently constructed. I don't know how much longer they'll be constructed like this, but for the time being, Cole Anthony is my guy for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Cole Anthony to Phoenix. Next up, we have San Antonio a team that normally doesn't find itself in the lottery. It's uh, been an, a long time since the Spurs missed the playoffs, but uh, 2020 was a year of change in a lot of ways, and it, it certainly was in the sense that San Antonio 
this playoff streak came to an end and uh, they'll, they'll look to get a new one started next year. But before that, they pick at 11th overall. And Daniel, you're on the clock for them. Yeah, and going forward here, now that we've gotten through the first 10 picks, we'll probably try and speed it up a little bit, go like shorter explanations for why they gave the picks and probably just throw them back to you, Sean. Uh, except maybe we'll probably take some more time on the Sixers pick for obvious reasons. Um, at 11, I'm going to go with the guy Jackson passed up for the Suns, Patrick Williams to the Spurs. Really a great athlete in terms of like just his body is really interesting, has great shoulders, really strong base, showed some off the dribble potential at Florida State. He's been rumored as a riser throughout this draft process. Jonathan Charks for the ringer had a big feature on him the other day, mentioned how much his coaches liked him at Florida State as one of the only guys ever to when they asked him preseason, what do you really want to do? He says, I just want to learn how to become a better defender. Seems like a guy who, and for the Spurs with a team with a lot of interesting guards, uh, I would hope if they try and retain big man Jakob Pertl, although he might not want to be there. And there's all these rumors about stuff they want to do. There was the recent report that they might be looking to move Patty Mills and, and the pick, and they're talking to the Sixers even. So there's a lot of stuff going on in San Antonio, but yeah, Pat Williams is going to be my pick at 11 for the Spurs. All right, so Pat. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jackson. No, I, I guess I don't really have much to say. I think, yeah, it's a great pick. I think they have enough guards there. Obviously, all three guards. You know, the, the kind of that late lottery trio that goes a lot on you know online mock drafts with Calamity and Tyrese Max and Carlos Shagan. So, I like the fit a lot. And I, I would note that, that I think Pertle, if I recall, is a restricted free agent. So he, this, if the Spurs want to resign him, they can, mm-hmm. uh, since he's from that 2016 class. But but yeah, I don't think that changes anything anyway. That Pertle's a center and. Pat Will is a, is a four, so not an issue at all. I think that makes a lot of sense for the, for the Spurs, for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Patrick Williams to San Antonio at 11. At 12, a team that Sixers fans have certainly been keeping an eye on in regard to potential trades this offseason. It's the Sacramento Kings. Jackson, what do you got for them? I I am going to go with Denny Avdia here. Um He's kind of been following. He seems like a guy who's going to almost assuredly go top six um, next Wednesday. But you know, he's you know he's a little more divisive among draft Twitter crowds, and it seems like both Daniel and I are you know kind of similar to him in that late lottery range rather than mid lottery or, or top five. So um, I think he makes a lot of sense here, though. The Kings should be playing fast, and he's an incredible transition player, really really good transition passer, and I think he makes a lot of sense. The guy who can work off the ball, impressive cutter, impressive finisher has some slashing ability offensively um, on the ball. I think I'm a little around that translating, but if it does translate, I think that's a really useful creation, you know, presence next to De'Aaron Fox, who you know, can sometimes get a little bogged down with his lack of pull-up game and all that speed. So I think that would be a really nice compliment. Um, he's a really, really good help side interior defender too. Can run some pick and rolls at 6'9". Um, just a really, he's kind of like a do-it-all for it. I know you can be kind of hesitant or weary of those guys, but I think he makes a lot of sense for what the, the Kings want to do. Um, they need more. They need more off-ball defense. He provides that. They should be running the, be running a lot, getting out in transition and upping the tempo, like they did their last year with Dave Yeager. Um, and so I think he also fits that vision and just makes a lot of sense as a guy who can do a lot of different things around De'Aaron Fox and maybe maybe Marvin Backley stays healthy this year and takes a leap forward and kind of have a little bit of a, a core there. Okay, so Vladi Divac is no longer in Sacramento, but the Kings' love of Euros could live on with Denny of Diva going with the 12th overall pick to the Kings. Uh, Next up, we have the New Orleans Pelicans, who 
you know, they took Zion last year. They've, they've got a, a new coach. They have a, I guess a second year GM there with David Griffin. Um, and they're looking to shop Drew Holiday. So a lot of change potentially in store in uh, the Big Easy, but they have the 13th overall pick. And Daniel, you're on the clock. Yeah, so this one is really hard right here because, I mean, originally I was hoping Jackson would take someone else at 10 so I could get Cole Anthony to the Pelicans at 13. I think that would be a good fit for them. I like the idea of getting a shot-making guard and maybe a younger one too that can grow with their young core. I... I mean, like, again, you're looking at maybe Wiseman here just because, you know, it's, oh, maybe he's falling a bit. There is talent there, but I just don't want to pair Zion with another guy, who, another center who likes to have the ball in his hands and is not a particularly great shooter or decision maker. I have a bold pick here. I'm just trying to see if I should pull the trigger on. I think I'm going to, even if it might be the wrong pick. It might be like an, over, an overvalued pick, but I'm going to take Tyrell Terry of Stanford here. I just think having the guy who could really help your offense in the way Terry can really creative at rim finisher really like the shot. I think he competes hard on defense. He's never going to be anything special on them, but he's put on weight, grew a half inch over the last over like during the pandemic over the last few months. And I just think it's a really good fit there for New Orleans. You know, another guy people here might have posited is like Tyrese Halliburton, but he to me is just, there's a little too many similarities to Lonzo in terms of just good decision maker, good spot up shooter, defender, decent defender. But I really want someone who can create some shots. And I think Terry has the upside to be that guy, even if he doesn't reach that. Uh, Jackson, I know you just wrote a big feature on Tyrell Terry for the step back. If you want to talk more about him. Yeah. Um, this is, this is probably a, a good bit earlier than I would have gone. I know you like him a decent bit more than I do. Um, I know you, you wrote a piece for Liberty Ballers about best creators in this class, and he was pretty high up there um, yeah. if I recall him from a few months ago. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little lower on him overall. Um, I just don't buy a lot of on-ball potential with him. I think his handle is not as dynamic as you want. He doesn't have quite the burst you'd want either, and he's so small. I know he grew, but I think he, you know, combined with the frame issues and the height, I think he – I buy him more as kind of a you know an off-ball player. Um, so I think – for me, his range kind of starts in the 20s rather than the, the late lottery. I understand the appeal, but I would have gone if I was going for a guard, I would have gone with someone like Grant Riller, maybe. Um, I really like Riller. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a little early and aggressive for me. I see the vision, but it's not quite enough for me. I don't think the Pelicans have quite enough of an entrenched core to really be prioritized and fit that much. But like I said, I, I see the idea behind it, and obviously, if if you're much you're a much bigger believer in Tyrell Terry than me, then um that's totally fine it just would be a good bit higher than i would go but again i i definitely see what you're what you're angling at again i was really hoping that cole anthony would still be here because i thought he would be a great fit all right well that's that's the way these things go sometimes um and terry a guy that he's showed up a lot in uh potential sixers 21 talk so at 13 a little bit uh ahead of where some people are slotting him and uh but you know, that, that kind of stuff happens all the time and it's sometimes it works out. So vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. 
That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Next up, we have a first time that a team is not selecting with its own pick. And this was originally a Memphis pick, but it now belongs to Boston. So Boston's on the clock at 14th overall. And Jackson, you're up. Yeah, um, I some tough choices here. You know, start starting yeah. to get you know where the the broad it's a broader range of players you can select as you get deeper into the into the, the board, I guess. So I I am going to go with Desmond Bain here. Um, wow. I was considering either him or R.J. Hampton. I know Bain, you know, similar to Terry, is another guy that's linked a lot to the Sixers. Um, but I, but I think the, the Celtics need more bench shooting and a little more competent ball handling. I think Bain can provide that pretty quickly for them. Um, I think they just didn't quite have the wing shooting. They had a few different issues that cost them against Miami in the conference finals this past season. But um, I think, you know, ball, bench ball handling and, and shooting was a, one of them, or wing shooting, I guess. Um, so I, I like the fit here. Bain's a really, really good off-ball shooter, really smart relocator, um, great footwork working off of screens, has a little bit of a pull-up game really improved as a passer the past year or so as well. Um, and so, and I think he's a really smart um, team defender as well, instinctual, really high motor defensively too. So um, I think he makes a lot of sense to plug and play guy for Boston who they can count on to play some minutes um, as they, as the Celtics look to, you know, take it a step further this next season and get back to the, the NBA finals. Well, if there's one thing Boston was missing, it's, it's wings. So you guys are breaking a lot of Sixers fans' hearts, these last couple picks, uh, guys that people are open fall to 21. But, uh, yeah, that's that's going to happen on draft night as well. So Desmond Bain to Boston with the 14th overall pick. And next up we have Orlando at 15th overall. And, Daniel, you are up. Yeah, I was just thinking about that, Sean, because – I Bain was like because I had the Sixers pick at 21 Bain was someone I would definitely want to get there I had a feeling he wouldn't last considering I know me and Jackson both like him I'm afraid I'm gonna have to do that again here with at 15 for Orlando because I think the best fit here is a guy the Sixers could definitely use but he would really help Orlando's offense and kind of like some of their lack of creation I think the pick here is Grant Riller for the Magic he's He's going to create something well because he's just his first step is so dynamic. He has a lot of great moves and a lot of counters to things that he can just throw out there. The shot, while not the best shot, is going to be fine at the NBA level, I think. There's some worry about, I think it was Mike Rivenov's, like talked about how just how easy some guards in that conference can get to the rim. And it's a little, there's a little bit of worry about like the jump in competition level. Will Grant still be able to get the same amount of separation that he usually does, which is definitely a concern. But for a team like the Magic that 
I mean, Markel Fultz had a good year, but I don't think he is the number one, like, ball handler initiator of the offense going forward. You can't really take a big here if you're the Magic. If you're still you're pay, still playing Vucevic, and you still have Isaac and Gordon as your forwards going forward, although there's definitely some reports they might be looking to move on from Gordon. I think Grant Riller just makes a lot of sense as someone who can help their offense long-term going forward. Okay, so another another guy from your top draft creators list. Mm-hmm. Um, Grant Riller goes to Orlando at 15. Uh, next up, we have Portland selecting at 16th overall. Jackson, you are on the clock. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to go with Obi Toppin here. Um, he's a guy who um, is almost surely going to go top eight. The kind of similar to Denny in that sense that Dan and I are both lower on him than mainstream. But um, we are doing we are treating this mock as Daniel previously said as what we would do rather than what will happen. So I think he makes a lot of sense. There's a you know a four slash five. They have a defensive anchor in Yusuf Nurkic already. Um, I know Nurkic didn't look great defensively in his his run back um, after that that big uh, leg injury from two seasons ago. But I think as he continues to improve his condition, we'll see him return to those kind of just friend or sub all defensive levels that he was at in the seven the eighteen nineteen season. Um, and so I think, you know, a really versatile offensive player in Terry Stott's offense next to CJ McCollum and Dane Willard makes a lot of sense. Um, he's a really good short roll passer, really good play finisher. Um, can run some pick and pops for you as well. Um, you know, his, his biggest supporters really think he has some self-creation upside and I was high on it. But I do think, you know, there's at least a modicum of, um, you know, hope in that. And so that would be a nice little safety valve as well if CJ or Dane were struggling against, you know, some of the better perimeter defender the league has to offer. So I like this fit a lot um, in a, in an offense that gets guys moving a lot and, and whatnot. I think, you know, Toppin makes sense and you have the defensive anchor and use of Nurkic to kind of insulate Toppin for all his defensive issues, whether it be perimeter mobility, um, vertical leaping off the ground against strength. Um, but I think it makes a lot of sense, you know, insulating him next to Nurkic. Okay. So Obi Toppin to Portland at 16. And just as a brief aside, that Dayton team was tremendous. And, you know, for countless reasons, the pandemic shutting things down sucked. But I, I was really curious to see what they would do. Um, it's not often you have a, a small school like that that has a 29-2 and two record and is really just looks like a top-level talent across the board. And uh, I wanted to see them against some of the, the blue bloods and everything in, in that tournament and see what they would be capable of. So that, that was really a shame to not be able to see that. Um, all right. So Toppin at 16. Next up, we have uh, what would have been Brooklyn's pick, but it belongs to Minnesota now. So the Timberwolves are on the clock at 17. Daniel, who you got? So I'm a little bit higher on this guy than most people. I'm going to take Josh Green at 17 here for the Timberwolves. I really just want to get as many wing after I've already taken LaMelo for them at one, just getting some wings on there who can play some good defense and also have some offensive upside. I, I really buy into Josh green. It's like, I, I, something about his passing. I just think he sees the game at a pretty good level for a wing who he's out. Definitely not like a primary creator, but I think you could like let him do some stuff and he'll, he'll work pretty well with that. He has this like weird tendency where if you throw a pass head in transition, he'll catch it and like whip it to the corner. And just defensively, really, really good on ball defender, good frame, some 
pretty quick on the ball. I, I just think he's a plug-and-play wing who, if the T- Timberwolves who don't have their pick top three protected next year, just want to get a little bit better and want to start, you know, actually playing some defense, I think Josh Green's definitely a guy who could help with that. Okay. And, uh, yeah, another guy that has occasionally come up in Sixers conversations at 21. And uh, I've mentioned it'd be cool to have another Australian on the team to join Ben to kind of fill the uh, Jonah Bolden void of having multiple Australians on the team. Um, yeah, so Josh Green at 17 to Minnesota. Next up is Dallas on the clock at 18. And Jackson, you are up. Yeah, um, I, I'm i going to go with Isaiah Joe here. Um, he's, Your guy. Yeah, he's one of my favorite prospects in the class. I was deliberating between him um or debating deliberating either one works but between him and Tyrese Halliburton obviously Halliburton has slid pretty far below where he will go um next week but I like Isaiah Joe a little more he's an awesome awesome shooter um really really like incredible volume like historic volume for a high major guy in his first two years um really quick trigger deep range um very good pull-up shooter as well added some important strength of the last year still has a ways to go in terms of bulking up his frame, but I think you saw that help him a lot as a, as a pull-up shooter this past season and space creator. Um, really impressive step back. Is a pretty solid pick-and-roll passer, especially with pocket passes. Um, smart team defender. Well-positioned on the ball as a defender, but it's just so undersized or so um, you know so weak for a wing that he gets bullied a lot. But I think if you're confident in your strength and conditioning program, you can improve that there. Um, but I think it makes a lot of sense next to Luca as a high usage. And obviously, Luca's the high usage offensive engine. Someone like Joe who can um, shoot off movement, quick trigger, really going to command a lot of defensive attention off the ball. Um, and he's a smart team defender, um, good length. I think he has like a six, seven, six, eight wingspan and a six, five. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense as a guy who you can just, you know, play off the ball and is going to do a lot of good things for you on both sides. Um, especially getting a, a really one of the best shooters in the class. Um, next to Porzingis and Luca, who the offense is going to run through makes a lot of sense. Okay, so Isaiah Joe to the Mavericks at 18. Next up, it's the Sixers pick, but this, of course, belongs to Brooklyn. So the Nets are on the clock at 19. And Daniel, you are up. Yeah, Jackson, I think I'm going to end the slide of Tyrese Halliburton right here. Just trying to think. And, you know, I know the other guy who's mainly slid here is James Wiseman. I even did think about him a tiny bit, but... And I even I even don't hate Wiseman that much. I think I'm a little higher on him as a prospect than you are. But I just for all the odd number picks, I have not liked the fit at all. Like the Magic, Timberwolves, Pelicans, Spurs. I have the Nets right now. I already think they have rotation level centers and don't really need him right now. Especially doesn't fit maybe with their long term goals. Tyrese Halliburton is just kind of a guy who I don't think is going to need the ball in his hands too much at the next level. He can basically be a spot up shooter for the Nets, play some decent defense. He's a good like connecting passer. Once you swing it around to him, he can kind of like, I think it was, he's a linking player is how some people describe it. Just like when you need the one extra pass or one extra thing to happen, he can kind of make it go on a team with a lot of on ball creation with Durant and Kyrie. I think he's kind of a nice little fit there like him a little more than like spot up shooters like Sadiq Bay and Aaron Neesmith, just because I think he can do a little more with the ball in his hands and is, has a little more versatility, but yeah, I'm going to go with Tyrese Halliburton to the Brooklyn Nets. 
All right, Halliburton to Brooklyn at 19. Now on the clock is Miami at 20. Jackson, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with RJ Hampton here. Um, another guy that I think is kind of in a – I really don't exactly know where to expect him to go in real life, but I think he makes a lot of sense for Miami, um, an organization that's proven to be really good with development. Um, a number of ways I think RJ is someone who is a, has an explosive first step, um, really good advantage creator, improved a lot as a decision maker um, and passer during his time in the NBL, which is really encouraging. Um, a bit of a mess defensively, really struggles navigating screens, doesn't really know how to position position himself off the ball. Um, but I do think somewhere where like Miami, as I mentioned, is, has a good track record of development, can really help him in that area. And I think you know his blend of you know slashing and, and good. I think I buy him as a solid shooter. Um, you know, slashing, playmaking, and you know adequate shooting makes a lot of sense for Miami at, at twenty here. Okay, so yeah, Hampton. One of the the more unknowns, having having gone to New Zealand to play, um, and not getting the kind of exposure that guys do on the, the at the college level here in the states, but uh, yeah, he's definitely an interesting prospect. He's going to Miami at twenty, and at long last we have the Philadelphia 76ers, courtesy of the Oklahoma City Thunder's pick at number twenty one. Sixers on the clock. Daniel, we all await your word on who the Sixers will take. It's courtesy of Sixers sleeper agent Mike Muscala, but um, uh, the Sixers, yeah. I mean, hopefully on draft night, the GMs don't think like me and Jackson, so those guys like Desmond Bain, Tyrell Terry, Grant Riller will be here. The Sixers really need some kind of on-ball creator, a shot creator. I've taken him in other Sixers mock drafts before. It's probably higher than I would like to take him, because I don't know if he's like the 21st best player in this class, but I just think the Sixers need an on-ball creator so desperately. I'm going to go with Malachi Flynn of San Diego State here, one of the best pick-and-roll ball handlers in in college basketball last year. A really interesting shot off the drill where he can just – he can create some nice separation is not afraid to take that shot. Not going to be a great defender, but works very hard on the defensive end of the floor – and I just think a guy can come in and you can let him like run the Sixers second unit, even and he'll do a fine job at it. Yeah. He makes a lot of sense here. I think he's someone that in a lot of these, you know, kind of MB, you know, draft Twitter oriented mocks, all the other guys you already mentioned are gone. Now, okay. Flynn is a very fine, you know, it's like, you know, compensation pick or whatever you want to call it. Um, safety valve. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. They're a little, just a tad higher than I have him, but mm-hmm. I think he makes a lot of sense. The guy who can work on and off the ball and is a really, really good pick and roll player. And the Sixers need really, really good pick and roll players. They haven't had one of those for more than half a season or whatever. <laughs> for a long time since they had with Jimmy Butler or whatever. Yeah. I just want to say in this crazy alternate universe you two have constructed where James Wiseman hasn't gone yet, um, <laughs> I, I don't care about fit at all. I would be screaming at the television for the Sixers to take him at 21. Um, and it then be, it would be a mistake. And then expect Daryl Morey to trade Al Horford somewhere else. And then you have James Wiseman able to be your backup center. And this guy that a lot of people think is potentially top five at 21. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, Flynn definitely fits the creator mold that the Sixers desperately need if you're you're going pure fit. And uh, as a team that has certainly 
should be making the playoffs again and has contender aspirations, um, they, it makes sense that they would draft for fit here. So, yeah, we will see what happens next week. Uh, here they go with Malachi Flynn at 21. All right, so we'll move this along to number 22. Uh, Denver is on the clock courtesy of Houston's pick. Um, so, Jackson, who are you taking for the Nuggets? Um, I, it's tough. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with James Wiseman here. That's uh, what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> I was considering him or Killian Tilly, but I think the, I think, you know, Wiseman, I don't like Wiseman very much, but he is, he is huge. And I do think he can do things in a limited role pretty well. Um, as Daniel mentioned earlier, part of his issue is he had a lot more confidence in his shooting ability and face ability than his actual production. And so I think in a place like Denver, that would be limited. And so I think someone who can set screens, finish at the rim, even if he has some weird finishing issues at times, um, and really bound to be a big body to, you know, you know, uh, wrangle with other other bench bigs or other, other bigs in general. I think that would be really useful for a team like Denver who just kind of needs more role players. Maybe they need one more guy, um, but I think you can bank, you can kind of allow them to bank on Jamal Murray continue his bubble play, not to the same extent, but, you know, taking that next step is kind of a, a star guard and allowing that to, you know, help them reach the next level. So I think Wiseman makes sense here is just someone they can, again, kind of similar to that plug and play idea. Um, again, not a huge fan of him, but I think he makes a lot of sense for Denver, which will confine his offensive role and he can kind of focus on things that he's actually good at, not things that he, he wants to do well and, you know, force the face up touches and whatnot. And he can join the five big lineup with Jokic at center and Bol Bol at small forward. Uh, he's just another a cog in the, in the Denver's crazy tall machine exactly. that they're building there. That was the real vision. I'm glad you, <laughs> you sniffed it out. All right. So we got James Wiseman finally off the board at number 22. And next up, we have the 23rd pick with the Utah Jazz. Daniel, you are on the clock. Yeah, I just really quick. I really do like... It's not going to happen, obviously, but James Wiseman to Denver is kind of a really nice fit to me just because I actually think you could play him and Jokic together in some some situations. I, I just I think I like that fit a lot. But, um, yeah, 23 with the Jazz, I'm trying to think of just things to make them better and just elevate them a little bit. Their defense went down this year. It was the basic the trade-off where they their offense improved a lot, but their defense just – if go, it was basically their defense was just hoping that Gobert would bail out their weaker perimeter defenders. I have like three forwards I'm targeting here if I'm the Jazz. And I think, man, this is it's kind of tough. Although I could go with someone else here. I might, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm delivering. This is already, we're already going on an hour here. And I am really trying to think if I actually want to take this guy. I am worried about the shot, but. He's probably going to do some really good stuff for them that I think could help. I think I'm going to take Xavier Tillman of Michigan State for the Utah Jazz. Just as like a defensive big man can play the center. I also think he's agile enough and smart enough to play the power forward as well as skilled enough. Has not shot the ball well, but has shown some signs, some flashes. He was probably the... He, there was an argument to him being the best defender in college basketball last year, definitely the best big defender. His numbers were just great on the end of the floor. He's like immovable in the post. And I just think if the Utah Jazz are looking for someone who can contribute right away, he definitely fits that mold. 
All right, so Tillman to Utah at 23. Next up, we have Milwaukee, courtesy of Indiana, and the Bucks are on the clock at 24. And Jackson, you're up. Yeah, uh, I I will go. I'll go with I'll go with um, Killian Tilly on this one. Um, I I obviously you know I got to watch, I graduated from Gonzaga this past year, so I got to watch Tilly for four years, and maybe some of my my bias is showing there. But I do think Tilly, without the injuries, is like a lottery level prospect. Obviously, you can't ignore the injuries, but um, I think he makes a lot of sense here for the Bucks. Really good shooter, really smart and well positioned defender. Um, has lost some of his mobility on defense because of some of the ankle and knee issues over the last few years, but still pretty spry and mobile for a, a power forward um, really smart passer to not the best pa- big passing big man in the class I think both Tillman and Obi Toppin are better than him but one of the better ones for sure and so I think he makes a lot of sense um, for the Bucks as, as a team that really wants to space the floor around Giannis and you know I think Tilly shot like 47 percent from three for his career um, can work off pick and pops really good kind of setting the screen and really quickly transitioning into the, the pop behind the arc um, show some off movement and stuff. Um, really intelligent player, and so I think he makes a lot of sense as someone who can just be a, a you know, kind of Daniel talked about that linking role, that linking player role. I think he makes a lot of sense as a, a secondary, you know, not creator or anything, but just someone who can help facilitate the offense and with smart decisions and good passing, and someone who you know can hit, trust to hit the three for sure. But is he a Lopez twin? Because I know that's a very important <laughs> thing to be if you're going to be a Milwaukee big man. He's not, but he does have some. He does have some brothers with a history of basketball. So hopefully that you know rectifies his his lack of brother, Lopez brotherness. Okay, fair enough. All right, so Killian Tilly to Milwaukee at 24. Oklahoma City is now on the clock, courtesy of Denver. Uh, the Thunder at 25. Daniel, what you got? Yeah, and apologies in advance. You can hear my dog barking in the background. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but um. Yeah, I don't love what's left here for the Thunder. It's kind of hard to know what they want. There were some rumors about them potentially trading up even to number one if they wanted to, like, move shade to see if they could get LaMelo at one. I think it was, like, that was on Zach Lowe's podcast with Kavoni and Schmitz. But I I think I'm going to go Aaron Neesmith here. There's – I mean, draft Twitter is lower on him than mainstream, mainly because – they think of him just as like a spot-up shooter. His off-the-dribble shot isn't great. And defensively, well, I don't think he's like – he's not like a dumpster fire defensively, but there's some work to be done, even though he has a pretty good body for it. But I just think like – because he shot – it was even though it was only in 14 games, shooting 52% from three on really good volume and off movement, there's just some – there's some potential there that could be really special in some ways just as a shooter – and if I'm the Thunder, you have a long time to build this. You have all those assets moving forward. I think there's just some high ups. There's a, a tiny bit of a high upside play of Neesmith as someone who could be a really create an interesting offensive weapon as a shooter. All right. So, yeah, definitely uh, no shortage of draft assets down the road for the Thunder. So it makes a lot of sense they'd go that way. Um, next up, we have Boston at 26. And Jackson, you're on the clock. Yeah. Um, I will go with Tail Maladon here. Um, I think I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge Maladon guy, but I think he makes some sense. 
um, as a secondary handler for, for the Celtics. I know they have kind of a lot of different cooks in the kitchen already, but um, I think he's one of the better shooting bets or one of the best you know, upside shooters in this class. Um, has been pretty impressive from a young age as a shooter. Um, I don't think he has a ton of creation, but I like that he plays with kind of a, an offbeat rhythm and cadence on the ball that can throw some guys off guard. Um, he's been compared to Shake Lewis Alexander, but by no means is he that sort of player, but I think kind of the same, the, the idea that they both play at kind of their own their own rhythm and operate. Wait, wait a sec. Where, where did you see that comparison? I don't see that, like, I mean, comparisons are already bad enough, like, a lot of the times, but Tao Maladon to Shea Gilgis Alexander, I just, I mean, Shea's It's the offbeat cadence idea. Um, I, I guess, but. I, I by no means am I, you know, I'm endorsing yeah. it, but it's which one I've seen, but I think that's where the similarities come in. Um, I think he can make some good passes, complex passes, a little slow as a processor um, and in reading the floor, but I think he makes sense in kind of this late, late first round range um, for the Celtics. And there aren't a lot of great options, you know, ideally or most likely Tillman will be available here still. Um, and I think that's where a lot of, you know, a lot of people are projecting him to go because the Celtics need kind of, you know, a little more big man depth, but, Obviously, he is gone, so I think Tao Maladon is, is someone who makes makes sense here for the Celtics. Okay, so Maladon to Boston at 26. Now on the clock is the New York Knicks, courtesy of the Clippers, at 27. So New York, Daniel, who are they taking? So originally, I was hoping Killian Tilly might fall to here because I kind of liked his fit with R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson as a really good passing, shooting big, but I had a feeling too that Jackson as a Gonzaga man himself was probably not going to let that happen. But um, I, I guess since I think a big thing for the Knicks is just to find out what they have in RJ and Mitchell to put pieces around them that can help. I'm going to go Sadiq Bay of Villanova here. Just again, not a super high upside guy, kind of rigid in some of his movements, but I think he's going to shoot spot up threes. Well, I think his defense is actually pretty good for the most part knows what he's doing his hip it's weird to left some moments where he looks super mobile and others where he just like looks completely lost in terms of mobility and get can get beat off the dribble but I think you can plug him in at the four and he'll like I mean the big problem in New York this past year was that RJ Barrett was just driving into crowds of people or just not getting the ball as Julius Randle drove into crowds of people because no one respected any of their jump shots Sadiq Bey will get respect as a shooter I think and I think that'll just help them well, as a Nova supporter and somebody who thinks uh, Bay is a very well-rounded player and uh, would benefit any NBA team as kind of that Josh Hart do-it-all role player, I hope he does not go to New York because I think uh, that that's kind of where careers go to die a little bit. And I don't think they have a, a great development track record. So, uh, yeah, uh, Bay to New York here in our mock draft. Um Next up, we have the L.A. Lakers at 28. Uh, Jackson, who you got for them? Uh, I'm going to go with Nico Mannion, uh, freshman point bear from Arizona. Had a bit of a, a down year, disappointing year relative to expectations. Um, but I do think the Lakers are a team that need a little more secondary ball handling. Um, as good as Rachel Rondo was in the playoffs this past year, once again, um, I think they could benefit from another guy like that, Nico Mannion, who's a Really smart off-ball player, really smart pick-and-roll player. Um, does really well to relocate to openings and quick attacking off the catch, quick making reads offensively. 
Um, I buy him as a pretty solid shooter, even if he only shot 33% or something from three this year. Um, I think he makes a lot of sense in, in LA that has that kind of the, the ecosystem to mask his own creation limitations. I think he works really well with secondary hand on a team like the Lakers that could use a little more of that. And he just, you know, I, I like him a lot, smart player, and he makes he makes sense in the, on this roster and this, this system environment. All right. So Nico Mannion to the champion Los Angeles Lakers at 28. Uh, next up, we have Toronto at 29. Daniel, who are they taking? This is another tough one. Um, trying to think like kind of what I would want here if I'm the Raptors. You know, you can never have enough creators. There's not sure if they're going to keep Fred Van Vliet or not. They might just try and do like a one-year balloon payment to kind of keep him around, but preserve cap space for next year in case they want to go after Giannis, as they've always been hinted as one of the looming threats to get him. And then also as creators, you have Kyle Lowry and Norman Powell, so maybe you already have enough there. I'm kind of thinking just taking a guy who I really like in general, just what he does, even though I might be alone in terms of how high I am on him. Because there are, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to bring back Ibaka and Gasol. I'm going to take Zeke Naji of Arizona, go back to back Arizona picks here. I just really like, but he's a guy who you hear a lot about his character. I think there's a big piece on basketballnews.com where they're talking about Zeke, like not even having a phone till like he was 17, played the piano. He seems like a great guy by most accounts. I loved how hard he competed at Arizona, just a very fiery competitor on the court. I think his shot is kind of promising and he can maybe even extend, extend out his range a little bit. And a guy with some tools, like just all, some all around game that I like in Najee and someone who tr- works really hard, like he does and competes as hard as he does in the court is someone I'm going to bet on, especially in the Raptors system where I think they can, I think if a guy really wants it, like Zeke does and he has some tools, the Raptors will make it work. All right. So Najee to the Raptors who could be the Tampa Bay Raptors this year. As, as Toronto looks for somewhere where they can play in the States, um, given the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic and Toronto, the city, not being uh, welcoming for sports teams coming and going um, into the city. So Raptors seem, seem to be zeroing in on Tampa Bay. So we'll, uh, we'll find out if that comes to fruition. But um, they take Najee at 29. At 30, to conclude the first round for us here, we have Boston by way of Milwaukee. Uh, Jackson, finish the round out for us. Yeah. Um, man, just Boston has three picks in the first round. It's just, you know, you, you think about it, but then when you actually go through and make each of those picks, it, it kind of uh, sneaks up on you. Um, I I will go with Nate Hinton here. Um, Ooh. Again, he's, you know, I had a few different options that I liked, but I'm a pretty big Nate Hinton fan. He's a really, really good on-ball defender, really good off-ball defender as well. Um, he's like a 6'4 wing, basically kind of plays like a power forward role, plays bigger than he is, plays super hard, um, incredible rebounder, like has an uncanny knack for – It's so weird. Balls gonna skip off of the of the, the glass or the rim. I'm really impressive there, and like – and so I trust him as a solid spot-up shooter again. I like his, his defense, and I think he's just another another guy that you know Boston can add to its its you know reserve of wings um, as a guy who's going to hit some spot threes and play really hard um, and help help keep some possessions alive and also be a pretty competent and solid 
wing defender both on and off the ball. All right, so Houston's need hitting goes to Boston, and that finishes out our first round. Now, of course, we're going to 36, so we're going to get going with the second round here. Uh, Dallas is on the clock. They're picking in Golden State spot. Um, Daniel, who you got for the Mavs? Really interesting pick with Nate Hinton there. I, he's definitely a guy who's higher in draft Twitter's ranks than mainstream. Just a very, in a very, he's, I mean, very unique is grammatically incorrect, but just there's not a lot of players like Nate Hinton. So it would be kind of fun to see him in a system that says versatile as Boston's is. Uh, I think I'm going to go with probably my highest rated player available here, Leandro Balmaro. And some interesting on ball creators, some really special handles and passing and also a pretty good defender. The shot needs to come around and did not produce great for Barcelona this year. I think the reports are that he's probably going to stay in Barcelona for another year. So this is like a draft and stash in a small way. And, you know, everyone likes to talk about maybe the Mavericks getting a secondary creator to go with Luca, kind of like take some of that creation burden off him as well as kind of help when he's on the bench, give the Mavs someone to kind of focus around. And I think Balmoro could be that guy. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go Leandro Balmoro at 31 for the Dallas Mavericks. The question is, would Dallas want to go with another Euro ball handler? I mean, do they feel good about their track record in that department? You just got to embrace the brand at some point. Like, you know, the Sixers embraced having seven centers, then getting rid of the good backup center, Rashawn Holmes, for the 2019 playoffs. You know, they just had to embrace it. Rashawn was the backup center they needed. Yep. All right. So, uh, Balmaro to Dallas at 31. 32, Charlotte is picking, uh, courtesy of Cleveland. Jackson, who you got for Charlotte? I want to go with Tyler Bay here. Um, I think, you know, Charlotte, you know, now that now is killing Hayes in place here, hypothetically, or in this exercise, um, I think they could still use, you know, just talent all around. I think Tyler Bay makes sense, even though they already have PJ Washington too. Um, I like Bay as a, a very good defense playmaker, pretty good, um, rim protector, super bouncy, pretty good length for a four. I believe he's like a seven, two or seven, three wingspan. I can't recall specifically, but it's definitely good, um, has some kind of weird moments of lapses of off-ball defense, um, but like really impressive um, leaper and, and rim protector and, and finisher. Um, didn't shoot a ton of threes at Colorado, but I'm pretty comfortable projecting him as a solid spot-up and pick-pop player. Um, I think he's just another another piece that Charlotte could add to its its cupboard um, as it tries to rebuild. You know, currently maybe they maybe ex-nay this rebuild and go after Russell Westbrook, as reports may say, but for now, they're they're still rebuilding. So I think you know, just getting the best player available, or in my eyes, the best player available, um, makes sense. And I think Bay is someone who can really help, you know, as a play finisher and rim protector at the four position. Okay, so Colorado's Tyler Bay to Charlotte at 32. Um, next up, we have Minnesota selecting for themselves. First, the only team in this batch of second round picks we're going to do that's actually selecting with their own pick. Daniel, who you got for the Wolves? Yeah, it's weird. Like Jackson, you said out. I- you had the three Boston picks in the first round. You ended up all of all those. I have now had the Timberwolves picks at 117.33. Kind of get an idea of how hard Gerson Rosas' job is going to be coming up here. But uh, I took LaMelo at one, took Josh Green at 17. I kind of like that. I, I do like the idea of just getting some functional wings on their team. But 
I'm debating between two players here, like in my head of which way I want to go. And I think right here, I'm going to take, because they already have some, I think I'm going to take Jalen Smith of Maryland, who a very divisive player He's all over the ranks everywhere. The kind of idea of putting another big with Minnesota. There's, it's hard to tell exactly what he's going to be. There are some moments that look great. Some that are really bad. He's, his nickname was Sticks because of how skinny he is, can get pushed around a bit, but impressive shooter for his size and can do it. I think he can come off, not necessarily off dynamic movement, but can at least come off pin downs. It's not like just spot up and pick and pop. And maybe a guy you can play with Towns going forward on the floor, but if not, he's at least, I think, a credible backup center who can do some stuff for you. Uh, although I, I feel for, I can understand some criticism of this pick i don't love it per se but i think it's where i would go if i'm minnesota all right so to his credit his nickname got upgraded from sticks to logs after he put on some weight so good for you jalen um all right jalen smith at 33 going to minnesota here and uh back on the clock the philadelphia 76ers this is uh originally atlanta's pick sixers are picking here um, this, I believe, was a little Elton Brand draft day trade from years past. Um, Jackson, who are you taking for the Sixers? I'm going to go with Tyshawn Alexander. Um, he's a two-guard from Creighton. Um, very good on-ball defender. Um, really good laterally, pretty strong. Um, a good shooter, nothing spectacular, but I think he's someone who can definitely space the floor and demand some, significant, some level of significant defensive attention, which is exactly what the the Sixers need in their role players is guys who are going to be respected by the defenses. And I think uh, Alexander's, you know, he's someone who can do that. I think he shot 39% from three this past year. Um, and is that like 38 or 39% for his career at three for after three years at Creighton. Um, so just a, kind of, again, someone I think, you know, you can trust to be a capable spot up player. He's a good cutter too. Um, but you're really kind of buying into this guard defense. Who's, you know, he's, if you're a little bigger, he'd be even better. He's only about 6'4", but he, he's strong, really good laterally, um, navigates screens well, too, uh, which is pretty useful off the ball. Off the ball. Um, so I think he's just a guy that makes sense for the Sixers. He's going to add shooting. He's going to be able to defend. Um, and so, you know, obviously, as the Sixers know and their fans know, they, we want to try and add as much shooting as possible. We already got Malachi Flynn, who's a good shooter. Um, it's another guy who can come off the bench and help space before for Joel and Ben. Makes a lot of sense. Okay, and the and the last Creighton Blue Jay the Sixers took was Kyle Korver, and that worked out pretty well. Uh, f- fan favorite here for a lot of years. So, Tyshawn Alexander to Philadelphia at 34. Uh, next is the Sacramento Kings at 35. They're selecting courtesy of Detroit. Um, all right, Daniel, who you got for the Kings at 35? All right, so my last pick here, and I'm debating between two guys who I am much higher on than most, which is Elijah Hughes and Mason Jones. Just kind of at some point you feel like you, I kind of just want to pick guys who I, I'm pretty high on. It's just like like their games a lot, think they're going to produce at the next level. I mean, Mason Jones, I think, has definitely more creation upside. He's a very weird player in that he's like bottom-tier athleticism. There's not a lot of burst, but – long wingspan created pretty well at Arkansas has some a variety of moves and some good handles can shoot 
he's such a creative player. I think he finished like, correct me if I'm wrong, Jackson, didn't he finish like something like 75% at the rim? Like he had some insane at the rim numbers. I don't know if you like. Yeah, like I think maybe 80th percentile or something at the rim in the half court. Yeah, so he's just, he's a very interesting player. Just there's not, again, not a lot of guys like Mason Jones out there was Elijah Hughes. I'm higher on him as a shooter and just defender and like, again, plug and play. I think a good wing who will do some nice stuff for you. I think, because I'm trying to think, the Kings, I don't know if they trade Buddy Heald, how much creation they need, because you have De'Aaron and presumably then you're keeping Bogdan Bogdanovich. And if you have those two, those two do provide a lot of creation. Sometimes it's good to have guys who don't have the ball in their hands, but you did, we did already draft Denny Avzia to them back at 12. So I think... I'm just going to go with Mason Jones here because I really just like what he brings to the table overall. And I like taking a guy who I think it's hard to tell exactly what's going to be, but I think there is some high upside as a guy who's just like, I think he can create offensive opportunities for you. And just the most important thing in the NBA is guys who can create something off the dribble, especially from the perimeter. Okay. So Mason Jones to Sacramento at 35 and with the final pick of our 36-pick mock draft, Sixers are back on the clock. This one is the New York Knicks original selection. Jackson, you're picking again for the Sixers. Who you got at 36? Uh, I'm just going to go with more shooting and ball handling. I'm going to take Cassius Winston. I know he's another point guard. They already took Malachi Flynn. And you don't need to roster too many point guards, obviously, but um, Winston's one of the better shooters in this class, really proficient off of screens really good footwork and mechanics um, quick trigger too has shown an ability to um, shoot in face of defensive pressure, even though he's only about six feet tall. Um, and so I think they should, the six should be just be taking as many you know, flyers on guys who can help space the floor around Benson and Joel Embiid. And that's what I think cash could help him do if he ends up being a viable rotation guard, um, really smart player, savvy handle um, can run some pick and rolls for you too. Not quite the passer that I think, some envision him as I think he's more daring than his ability would allow. I know I talked earlier about daring being good, but because he's so small, I think that can kind of hinder him at times. He's a little bit too, too in, too uh, what's the phrase? I guess too embracing of risk. Um, but really good shooter, like I said, has some pull up game too. So um, just taking as many cracks as I can for the Sixers at at guys who can space the floor. Absolutely. Shooting is the buzzword of this draft for Philadelphia and something I'm sure Daryl Morey will have on the forefront of his mind. So Cash Swinston, definitely a guy that can uh, hit some shots from long range when that will be a welcome sight in uh, Philadelphia. And we will see what happens next week on draft night. But for now, we have concluded our 36 pick NBA draft and Daniel, I know you're going to write up uh, these picks and list them on libertyballers.com so everyone can kind of get an overview of how it went. Yeah, and uh, big thanks to Jackson for doing this. A little bit longer of a podcast than usual, probably because it is fun to talk about the draft and also probably something of us doing all the way up to 36 picks. But, you know, it was fun. I'm sure some people are going to disagree with what we did, especially with like guys like James Wiseman sliding. But yeah. The, this was a lot of fun. Super excited for the draft next week. And 
make sure you all check. Hopefully we're going to have that Liberty Ballers live draft show this Wednesday night when the draft is on. And I hope you all enjoy that and tune in with us. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Yep. Thanks Jackson for coming on. Anything you want to plug before we hop off here? No, uh, this was fun. I, I enjoyed doing kind of a fun thought exercise. So I appreciate the two of you having me on. All right, Daniel, I will talk to you next week. Um, maybe I, I know we're trying to figure out exactly. Maybe the podcast is going to be uh, that is kind, kind of put on hold in place yeah. of our live draft coverage. So yeah, that, that's the plan right now is to have the live draft, like all of us talking together. It won't just be us. The plan is to have a lot of the Liberty Ballers staff on board. But and you hopefully get that in your podcast feed in case you can't listen to it live. But yeah, that's the plan for right now. All right. So we'll be talking about draft night next week. Yes, and we will. Until then, take care, everybody. All right. More to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.